So, um, if the children who are going to Sunday school would like to leave now. <laughs> and uh, could the rest of us please in our Bibles turn to Second Corinthians and chapter 5. And the focus of our thinking this morning is on page 1148. And the focus of our thinking this morning is uh, verse 17. But I will read again (coughs) verses 11 to uh, 16 just to remind us of the context. So actually we'll pick up then 11, page, bottom of page 1147 2 Corinthians chapter 5 we'll pick up at verse 11 therefore knowing the fear of the Lord we persuade others But what we are is known to God, and our hope is known also to your conscience. We are not commending ourselves to you again, but giving you cause to boast about us, so that you may be able to answer those who boast about outward appearance and not about what is in the heart. For if we are beside ourselves, it is for God. If we are in our right mind, it is for you. For the love of Christ controls us, because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, and therefore all have died. And he died for all, that those who live might live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we once regarded Christ According to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Now then, here's our verse. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. So now let's... uh, Keep our Bibles open and let's ask for God's help as we consider his word together. Almighty God, we thank you for your mighty word. And we thank you that it's able to do great good, both to save, both to strengthen those who know you already and to save any who do not yet know you. And we pray that this morning you will speak to us now through your word and do us great good. We pray Again, for the children, you'll bless them as well. Through Jesus Christ, amen. Now, this verse that I read to us, 2 Corinthians 5, 17, 
is what you might call a golden oldie text, if I may use that expression, an absolute wonder of a gem of a text. There are certain texts in the Bible which sort of, you know, every, every Bible, every verse of the Bible, of course, is, is special and inspired by God, but some, you know, are the, the great texts which really talk about truths in a wonderful way. Another golden text, of course, is John 3.16, which so wonderfully summarizes the gospel. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. So here is another one of those special texts. And if you are somebody who's thinking, I, 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 I think I should start to try to memorize the Bible. Well, this is, this is one of those texts that it should be high up on your memory list of one of high up on your list of verses to memorize because this verse summarizes a really important doctrine. Now, this is the doctrine which we call the rebirth of what happens when God works in a person to make that person alive spiritually. And it speaks about how when God works in a person to make that person alive, that person is fundamentally changed. A new creation. The old has gone. The old has died. The old has passed away. The new has come. It's it's a radical change that comes upon that person. He or she used to be a hater of God, but now has become a lover of God. He or she used to be blind, but now he or she sees. Used to be dead, but now alive. Used to want to sin as much as he or she could get away with. Now wants to serve God as much as he or she can. And so this verse is a really important verse for us to consider for for a number of reasons. First of all, it's a very important verse for us to consider because it's essential to be born again in order to go to heaven. Remember what Jesus said to Nicodemus. uh, Unless a man is born again, he will never enter the kingdom of God. So, your eternal destiny depends on whether or not you've been born again. If you're not born again, you'll go to hell. Putting it absolutely plainly, if you are born again, you'll go to heaven. So, it's really, really important that you should understand what it means to be born again. And it's very, very important that, that, that you should be born again. Um, another reason why it's very important for us to understand this is because being born again is is very widely misunderstood. A lot of people think that if you simply pray a certain formulaic prayer, you know, you just repeat certain words after somebody else, that you've been born again. Or they others think, well... If you only get baptized, as long as you get baptized by immersion in water, well, hey, presto, you're born again. The Catholic religion teaches that, 
that actually a baby is born again when the baby is baptized as a baby. So it's a hugely misunderstood matter. Um, and, and so uh, it's very important for that point of view that we should understand the rebirth and why we should listen to this passage at this verse. Another reason why it's really important to understand this is because it helps us to understand that the Christian message is about more than just being forgiven for your sins. A lot of people think, well, a lot of people think that Christianity is just about being a good person, just about morality. Well, this tells us much more than just about morality. Then other people think, okay, it's more than morality, so it's about a matter of being forgiven. Okay, well, it's true, it is about being forgiven. But this tells us that it's more than just being forgiven. Real Christianity is about being changed. It's about having the power of God in you. It's not just, you know, a lot of people think, oh, when you become a Christian, you get forgiven, and then you just carry on just the same as you were before, but only now you're forgiven. So you, you know, you lie as much as you used to, you steal as much as you used to, you used to be, you, you're proud as much as you used to, you're immoral as much as you used to. It's just that now you're a forgiven sinner, whereas before you're unforgiven sinner. No, no, no. When someone becomes a real Christian, a radical transformation takes place. You become a different person, as we'll see. So it's very important from that point of view. Another reason why it's really important is because actually there are quite a few true Christians who are truly born again who don't actually really understand just what has happened to them. And so they think that they are more under the power of sin than they are. And they think, well, there's no point, you know, I can't really be any better than what I am. You know, that's just the way I am. I, I, was, I, I was a sinner in Adam, and, and I'm still a sinner, and I, I can't really expect to be anything different until suddenly when I die, suddenly, bang, pop, I'll, I'll, be, I'll be perfect. And up till then, well, I'm just, I'm just, that's what I am. I'm just a sinner, saved by grace. No, no, no. If you, if you are truly, if you truly believed in the Lord, Something amazing has happened to you. You might not realize it properly or fully appreciate it. But if you really belong to Christ, an amazing change has happened. So, yeah, it's really important that we look at this first. Now, let me just, um, just, just, just remind you of the context. I know some of you have been here, but it probably even if you were here, it might not do any harm to be reminded. And for those who were not here, It'd probably be helpful for, you to, for me to just slot this into where it comes. So Paul has been talking about his ministry. And he's been saying there's two big things that dominate his mind as he preaches the gospel. There's the fear of God. He knows he's answerable to God. But there's also the knowledge of the love of Christ. And the second of those we were thinking about last week, we, we were thinking about what it means to be, he says how he's, he is 
The love of Christ, verse 14, controls us. We thought, what does that mean? Well, it means he's constrained, he's limited by the love of Christ. There are certain things he can't do because he knows the love of Christ. And we thought about what it, how the love of Christ, how he's experienced the love of Christ through knowing, first of all, his sins forgiven. Uh, for we have concluded this, that one has died for all. Jesus died for his sins and for all the, sin, for the sins of all of God's people. But then also, because his, God has caused him to experience that, that love of Christ, that power of Christ. Uh, all, therefore, all died, and, he, that those, that those who, and that those who live might live no longer for themselves, but for him who, for their sake, died and was raised. Now, that introduces this idea of the rebirth that we're thinking about today. And so this leads us to what we're thinking about now. This, this tremendous verse on the rebirth. Now, as we think about this verse, I want to do so under four headings. Basically, pick out from this verse four little phrases which, which um, talk about what God has done for us. First of all, I want us to think about how the true believer is in Christ. If anyone is in Christ... Then, once think about how the true believer is a new creation. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Then thirdly, think about how for the new believer, the old man, as it were, the old person has died. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. And then fourthly, to think about how through the rebirth, something new has come into being. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. So let's think about these four things now. And the first of all then, the true Christian is in Christ. Now, if you were here in the first part of our service, and I would encourage you, you know, to come for the beginning of the service, because we do have um, uh, readings from Scripture from right at the beginning of the service, and it does, it does what we look at in the beginning of the service does also tie in with with what we look at in later on in the service. But what we're looking at in the early part of the service is how the true Christian is in Christ, and this comes out here in this verse as well. If anyone is in Christ, this amazing, wonderful doctrine that those who are believers are joined to Jesus. We've become part of Jesus. Now, Jesus himself taught this. Remember in John 15, do you remember Jesus used this, this picture, this metaphor of the vine? You remember he said, I am the vine, you are the branches. So, we're part of that overall vine. We're joined to Jesus if we're Christians. And we read earlier from, um, from Colossians how Paul says uh, that we've been given fullness in him. 
We're made complete in him. And then also in, in Ephesians 1, verse 3 onwards, uh, we were reading about how in Christ we have been blessed with every spiritual blessing that there is. Because we're part of Jesus. You see, this amazing thing is, if you are joined to Jesus, then all that he has is yours. Let me take a bit of an illustration from everyday life. When a man marries a woman, he is joined to her. They become one flesh. And you remember the marriage service, he says, all I have, I share with you. All his possessions become her possessions, and all her possessions become his possessions. They are one unit. And so when we are united to Christ, all that Christ has is yours. You're rich in him. It's amazing, isn't it, to think of the vast treasures of heaven, the vast treasures of the new heavens and the new earth are yours in him. So you never need to feel envious of somebody who's got lots of money or, or good looks or fantastic education because you're in Christ. You've got the riches of Christ. Now, part of that is that we've, sh- we, 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 as we'll go on to see, that if we're united to Jesus, we're also united with him in his death. And we're also united with him in his resurrection. We're also reunited with him, Paul says in in Ephesians chapter 2, in his exaltation. Christ is now in heaven, seated at the right hand of God. And staggering though it might seem, because we're in Christ, we're with him in the heavenly places, spiritually speaking, if we're Christians. Our life is in him, and we're united with him in heaven. And when he comes, the glory that we already have in Christ will be revealed. The the, the curtain will be taken away and the glory that he's given to us in him will be manifested. So the true believer is in Christ. If you're a Christian this morning, be encouraged. You're in Christ. And all that he has is yours. Now that's the first thing then. Now, secondly, the true believer is a new creation. Let's read this verse again. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Anybody who's just joined us recently, 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Now, this, of course, ties up with what Paul was talking about in chapter 4. Paul has been talking in verses 1 to 6 about how how the, the devil has blinded people's eyes so they cannot see the truth. And then he said, the God, verse 6, of chapter 4, the God who said, let light shine out of darkness has shone in our hearts to give us, to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. God has done a work of creation in us, a work of recreation in us. 
just as God shone the light, said, let there be light on the first day of creation, so God has said, has said, let there be light in your heart and my heart, if you're a Christian. And we've, that, that uh, something new has come into being. A new creation has, has, has been formed in our hearts. Now, one particular aspect of creation, remember how Adam and Eve were made in the image of God. And the way to understand that, I think, is not to, to say that, that they physically looked like God, because God is invisible. God is spirit. He doesn't have a physical body in the way that we have. But they were like God in terms of having a, 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 an ability to, power, to reason and to think. But especially they were like God in that they were morally perfect. There was no sin in Adam and Eve when they were first created. But then, I'm sure we all know the story, they ate of that forbidden fruit from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And what happened when they ate of that tree? The image of God in them was shattered. They were no longer morally perfect. You, could, you can see a trace, a remnant of God in every human being still, of course. But the perfection which there was when they were first created was shattered. But what God has started in us who believe is this work of rebuilding that image of God in us. Now, of course, we're not perfect yet. Of course. But God is determined to that each one of his children, in each one of his children, that image of God will be perfectly restored. How do I know that? Well, because of what Paul says in Romans chapter 8 and verse 29. He says this, For those whom God foreknew, that means loved in advance, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. So if you're a Christian, if you're in Christ, God has predestined that you are going to be like Christ. And that work of rebuilding the image of God in, in you has started already. Now, he, he also, Paul also talks, if you go back just a little bit in, in, in 2 Corinthians, you'll see he talks about this, this as well in, in verse 18, uh, which we, we did think about a few weeks ago, a few months ago, um, talking there about how we who believe have the, have the freedom to see the glory of Christ. And he says then in verse 18, this is through the work of the Holy Spirit in us, and he says, and he says, and we all, that's we who are believers, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image, the image of God. 
from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. So that image of God is being rebuilt in us, recreated in us, as we look at the glory of Christ. And Paul also speaks in, in, two, in Colossians 3, verse 9, he says, Do not lie to one another, seeing that you've put off the old self, or the old man, if you like, with its practices, and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. So there is this new creation that God is, has started in us of, 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 of giving us, of rebuilding in us the image of God. Now, so that's the second thing. Third thing, in the true believer, the old man, if I may use that expression, the old person has died. Hear the verse again. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. The old has died. Finished. Caput. Finito. Dead. Buried. Gone. That old person that hated God and that hated his law, that, inner, that, that, that old heart that was anti-God has died. Now he doesn't say you should kill off your old heart. He says it has actually died. And this is where we come back to this, this, the thought how we are united with Christ and we who believe are united with him in his death and united with him in his resurrection. And I would ask you please now to turn back with me to Romans 6 because this does actually speak about this in a little bit more detail. And this is page 1120. Now Paul has been talking about how we who believe are saved by grace alone, by faith, by faith alone, not by our works. That, that our, our salvation doesn't depend at all upon, upon our own righteousness. And he's talked about how, how where sin increased, grace increased all the more. Uh, so verse 20, chapter 5, where the law came in to increase trespass, their sin increased, but, 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 but where, so to, sorry, the law came in to increase the trespass, in order to show how great sin is. But then verse 20, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. So he's, he anticipates, somebody might say, oh, well in that case I might as well sin all the more because, because then, then the God's grace is shown to be all the more amazing. But he says... What then shall we say, Romans 6, verse 1? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Don't you know that all of us 
who've been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death. We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. So he's saying, we, we, we shouldn't even contemplate continuing in sin because we've died to sin. It's a very, the form of the, the tense that he uses there is a, is a decisive, it's like, it's a past event that's happened, it's finished. It's, it, we died. Not we are dying, but we have died. It is, we died. Now he talks there about being baptized into Christ. I don't, my own view there, he's not actually talking about water baptism there. Some would disagree with me, but I, my own understanding is that He's talking about that spirit baptism into Christ when, when we're born again. When we're born again, we are baptized into Jesus, joined to Jesus. And he's saying, all of us who were joined to Jesus when we were born again were joined to his death. We were baptized into his death. And we were also baptized into, into we were also buried with him when that happened. We were also buried with him by baptism into death. That old man, that old driving force that was there in you before you were converted, has died. And buried. We were buried with him by baptism into death. Now, if you go on to look on into verse 5, for, he says, For if we've been united with him, in a death like his, we've been united with Jesus in his death. Verse 6, we know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we should no longer be enslaved to sin. Verse 7, for one who has died has been set free from sin. Now, you might say, well, what does this mean if, a, if someone who is, who is united with Christ has died? I mean, does it mean that, that, that he's had a, like a, a change in terms of his like, mental gifts? Suppose you've got somebody who was very, very artistic. Does that mean that when, when you're born again, you stop being artistic and you become, I don't know, somebody who's very good at, at, at science, <laughs> where before you were good at, 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 at art? Or does it mean you used to be really musical, but now you, you're no longer interested in music and, and um, you, you, you're interested in, in, in nature instead? No. It's not that you're, it's not that you're meant, it's not that you've become a different, or not that your, your personality has died as such. But what dies when you become, when you're born again, is the motivation of the heart, which is anti-God. So that's what dies. It's the, it's that, 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 that heart motivation which was anti-God, which said, I don't want God, I don't want the Bible, I don't want church, I don't want to live a good life. That anti-God driving force 
that was there in you when, as an unbeliever, that's what dies. Now, this immediately raises the question, well, does that mean to say that a Christian doesn't sin anymore? Because if you haven't got that driving force to sin anymore, then you'd think, well, that case, surely, once you become a Christian, you're perfect. And then you start to think, well, in that case, I can't be born again because I still keep on tripping up into sin. So how can we explain this? Well, the answer is that that we need to understand that there's a there's a, a, an inner core. The way I understand it is this: is that there's an inner core motivation, but then there's an outer man. The Bible calls this the flesh, and the inner core motivation. That's the thing that dies. But the flesh, which is that part of you which is habituated to sin, that doesn't die until you physically die. Now what happens is that before you become a Christian, the inner motivation, the core motivation of your life and your flesh are working in tandem with each other. You don't want to serve God and your flesh doesn't want to serve God. And so, in a sense, your life is quite harmonious because, you know, you're just a non-Christian, a straightforward non-Christian. And there's no particular battles going on because you just think, well, yeah, just sin. Yeah, you know, you might regret it sometimes. You think, well, just, just sin, just enjoy sin. But when you are born again, that inner motivation that wanted to sin dies. And then there's a new heart that's born within you that wants God, but that new heart that's within God, within you, that's renewed by the Spirit, is living, as it were, in a flesh that is habituated already to sin. And so you've now got a conflict on your hands. You didn't have that conflict before. But you've now got a conflict going on. And this is why so many young Christians are so troubled, because it's... Why am I sinning? I feel like I'm worse than I was before I was a Christian. You're not actually worse than you were, but you feel like you're worse because there's this, there's this battle going on. Now, Paul talks about this in Galatians chapter 5 and, and, and verse 16. If you can look at it if you want. Um, it's on, uh, on page... Um, Just that's the very bottom of the page, 1157. He says, so I, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. See this, this conflict between the two. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. You see, you want to do what's right. But there's this battle going on. You're born again. If you're a Christian, you're born again. You want to do what's right, but then there's this battle going on between the, the spirit, the new heart you've got, which is according to the spirit, and the flesh, which has got used to sinning. There's an illustration which I have used before. If, if you heard me 
say it before, then please bear with me. But I think people have found this quite helpful. Which is, imagine you've got a man who loves filth. He owns this house and he loves filth. He just, you know, he's really happy with filth. He doesn't bother to repair his house. The rain comes through. Rot sets into all his floorboards. There's got lots of mice everywhere. There's rats. There's mold everywhere. It's a really, really horrible, smelly, disgusting house. And then what happens is that then eventually that that owner, that old man, dies. And a new owner buys the house. And the new owner hates filth. He loves cleanliness. And he very, very quickly, he mends the roof. He sorts out the... the, 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 the he redecorates and he rips out the rotten floorboards and puts in new floorboards. And he makes the, the place a whole heap better than it, ever, than it was before. But because that house has become so ingrained with the filth and, and the rot has gone so deep into the bricks of that house, that man is going to be struggling against dry rot and all sorts of problems in that house for the rest of his life. Because the house has got so habituated to corruption. Now that is an illustration. I try, try to have that as an So the, the old man in that house is, is, is the old you. The new owner is the new you. The house is your flesh. And, and so you've got this new owner inside this, the, the flesh that, that is, is, is used to sin. Okay, so... Third thing, then, we saw is that the old man has died. Now, let's come back, then, to 2 Corinthians 5 and just pick up on the fourth and final point, then. So let me just read the verse again. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, has died, Behold, the new has come. So, we've been united with Jesus in his death in order also that we might be united with Jesus in his life. So, sorry, I have taken you a bit around the scriptures, but let's go back again, or just listen if you prefer, back to Romans 6 and just see the other side of the story. So, We've died with Christ. Now pick up with verse 4 of Romans 6, page 1120 if you've lost it. We were buried therefore with him in baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might live a new life. Jesus has been raised. We've been if you're if, we're, if you're a Christian, you've been raised with Christ. There's a new life in you. Verse 5. For if we've been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. Now that's, I don't believe, just talking about the future resurrection. Of course it's true 
for the future resurrection of the body, but it's also talking about the spiritual resurrection which takes place when someone is born again. Verse 8. Now, if we've died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. We know that Christ being, Christ being raised from the dead will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. So there's this new life. We've been united to this new life of Jesus. And uh, so, and how is this life seen? Well, let me just give you some examples of the sorts of things that, that you see in someone who's born again. A conviction that the Bible is the word of God. You just know the Bible is true. You don't need anybody to tell you or persuade you. You know it's true. Acceptance of God's law. Before you'd say, oh, well, you know, things like homosexuality, maybe that's okay. Things like abortion, maybe that's okay. But once you're converted, you say, no, I know what the Bible says. I believe what the Bible says. It is wrong to have sex out of marriage. It is wrong to, to engage in homosexuality. It is wrong to lie and to cheat and to do all those other things. Because you, you are convinced of the truth of the law of God. Now that leads to the next thing, of course, which is a conviction of sin. When the Holy Spirit worked in you, you say, I'm a sinner. I'm a terrible sinner. I deserve hell a thousand times over. I don't know why the ground hasn't swallowed me up. And taken me away already because I'm such a terrible sinner. I'm totally unworthy to come to God. Totally unworthy to be among his people. And that leads to the next thing, which is humility and brokenness. The person who's born again can't be proud because you say, well, I'm a sinner like anybody else. How can I look down on other people when I've done so much wrong myself? And then the then another sign of the, of, the, of the rebirth is conviction that Jesus really is the Son of God. Not just a prophet. You know, yes, he is the Son of God. And you know also, once you're born again, that Jesus is the only way to God. You know that other religions can't. Before you might have said, oh, well, any religion can take you. But once you're born again, you know that Jesus is the only way to God. And when you're born again, you want to be free from your sin. You turn from your sin. You hate the sin you used to Lance love. And you want to believe on Jesus as your savior. When you're born again, you have this desire for God. You, you say, oh, I want to read the Bible. I want to be at church. I want to read Christian books. I want to listen to sermons. I want to pray because you want God. You never wanted God before. Why would you want to go to church before as a non-Christian? But now you want God. And you have a desire for holiness when you're born again. It grieves you when you sin. You, you say, why am I still doing these horrible things when you sin? You, you castigate yourself because, oh, because you want to be holy. And when you're born again... You see your brothers and sisters, your Christians, as your brothers and sisters. You love them because you know that you've been loved by God. When you're born again, you have this concern for the lost. You realize, oh, these people are on their way to hell. You want to see them saved. 
When you're born again, you know the comfort of the love of God in your afflictions. You're encouraged by his love. And you're helped to persevere. A truly born again Christian keeps on going in the Christian life. Someone's not born again, they just give up. But you can't give up because you know it's true. You've wandered away sometimes, but he keeps on bringing you back. And someone who's born again is looking forward to heaven. You know that this world isn't, isn't your world. You know you're just camping here. You know you're just passing through. And you're looking forward to being with the Lord. So here's this marvelous thing by conclusion. And this is a marvelous thing that God has done for believers. Let me just read that verse again. 2 Corinthians five seventeen. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Now, as we draw to a close, let me just just ask you this question for you to think about. Has this happened to you? Have you been born again? Do you know this? the reality of this that that you're now in Christ you know that you're a new creation not perfect yet of course but you can see that 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 new nature inside you you can see that the old man has died you can see that there's this new desire for God yes there's a battle with the flesh but you can see the work of God in you well if that's so then give thanks to God Rejoice that the Lord has shown such kindness to you. And give him the glory and the credit for what he's done in your life. But also, see yourself as dead to your old life. Don't allow sin to say, you know, what the devil comes does, he says to you, come on, I'm the boss here, you've got to do what I say. And if we're not careful, we get intimidated. Oh, oh yeah, I must do what the devil tells me to do. But you don't have to do what the devil tells you to do. You don't have to do what sin tells you to do. Because you've died to sin. Sin isn't your master anymore. Christ is your master. So don't carry on with your old habits. You finish with them. You used to be this. You used to be that. But you're dead to that now. See yourself as dead to that old way of life. And see yourself now as living for Christ. And if you recognize this has happened in your life, live according to that new nature that you've got. Your flesh will still try to drag you back down. But listen to what the Spirit is telling you to do through his word. And through your conscience, rather than living according to your flesh. The great thing is, if you're born again, you're no longer a slave of sin. There's still a battle, but you're no longer a slave of sin. You don't have to serve sin anymore. So you're free to serve God. Now use the freedom you've got, and use that power that God has given you. Put it into practice live in that new way but what if you're sitting there and you're saying 
I don't know that I have been born again. I honestly think I may be still dead in my sins. I, I, I don't really see any desire for God at all. I, I, I dragged myself along to church. I didn't really want to be here. and I, It doesn't really make sense to me. And if I'm honest, if I'm honest, if I'm honest I just like being at church because there's nice people there. I don't I have to sit through the sermon because I suppose that's what you have to do when you go to church but I don't really doesn't really mean anything to me and if in all honesty I'm I'm not really born again you might have to you know if you say that in all that's good you're honest but what should you do then well the simple answer is come to Christ see God is ready God is offering you Jesus and everything that is in Jesus. He's offering you forgiveness of sins. He's offering you eternal life. And he's offering you the rebirth. The whole package. It's not forgiveness but not, not Christ as Savior and Lord. It's both. It's the whole Christ. It's, he's offering you Jesus and all that is in Jesus. And he says come. Jesus says come. The bride says Come. And he's ready to receive you. If you but come to him, he will gladly give you Christ and gladly give you everything that is in Christ, including the rebirth. The Spirit and the bride say, Come, says Revelation twenty two seventeen. And let, he, let the one who hears say, come. And let the one who is thirsty come. And let the one who, who desires take the water of life without price. Here is this free offer of life. Water without price. Come, come, come. And let Christ be your saviour, your life giver, the one who makes you born again, and the one who gives you his salvation. Let's just have a few moments of prayer, shall we? A few moments of quiet where we can reflect uh, before God before we finish with our last time.